Welcome back in. Cougar Sports Saturday here on a game day. BYU, Texas Tech down in West Texas, Lubbock. BYU doesn't play Texas Tech very often in its history. Remember in football, they had not played since World War II in the <laughs> 1940s, and then Spitgate happened, and BYU won their last uh, football game of the season against the Red Raiders. It's hard to believe that was the last win. <laughs> I know, it's so crazy. Basketball has not faced the Red Raiders since 1995. That ends today as BYU and Texas Tech square off in a, another big Big 12 game. Which game isn't big in the Big 12? Tip-off today at 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock pregame with Greg, Mark Durant, and the crew getting you ready down in, in Lubbock. But what do you make of this game for BYU against Texas Tech? Another top 25 matchup. The Red Raiders, number 25 in the AP poll. They suffered a loss yeah, to Houston on Wednesday. But this team it poses some challenges with the new head coach in Grant McCasland. I think more than anything, it's just the environment. I think mm. that that to me is a little more scary than any of the personnel or, or the team. Yeah, they're in the top 25. They're going to fall out after that beat down to Houston at, at the end of the week. But Texas Tech, for a number of years now, has been a really difficult place to play. And, look, you were in Waco, so maybe you, you can correct my opinion here. I just didn't feel like that was a crazy, intimidating environment. No. It was loud, manufactured loud, where their sound system was just bumping. Like, when they would play, I think it was the Turbulence song. I can't remember now. But it was just a deafening loud from their sound system, and then you pair it up with the steep steps from the fans, and then it got kind of loud. But I'm with you. Like if, if you didn't have that sound system in Waco, it wasn't that loud. I think from Lubbock, just seeing video over the years, seeing kind of the hostile nature of that yep. fan base. I mean, I remember that one year, I think it was last season, they signed Fardaz Amac, who's now at Cal, former UVU big man. They got him out of the portal, and some crazy Texas Tech fan said, if we get Fardaz, I'm going to eat a grasshopper on on camera live. And he started pounding grasshoppers. I'm like, these people are nuts. <laughs> they love their basketball down in West Texas. And, look, they went to a national championship game five years ago in 2019. This is a good basketball program with some recent history of, of high-level success. This is going to be one of the toughest environments that BYU faces this season. And, and I'm excited to see how BYU sh- shows up in United Supermarkets Arena. Kind of a weird name. I'm also curious to see who shows up for BYU basketball. You know you're going to get Dallin Hall, Spencer Johnson, Noah Waterman. They're all good to go. What do we make of Trevin Nell and Foose? Mitch, what did you hear earlier in the week about their availability? Yeah, Trevin Nell is going to be someone that, I mean, he's dealing with a foot injury, and the imaging that Mark Pope and the team got from him, they were worried. And the thing was, remember in that Baylor game, he went down with uh, what looked like an injury. He was down for a little bit. And then in the UCF game, with about six minutes to go, he bumped, uh, kind of stepped on someone's foot, and that's where he suffered the injury. And he was out uh, against Iowa State. But this is going to be kind of a game-time decision day-to-day with Trevanell, and it's a, it's a day-to-day deal, no change with Foose. It's just that hamstring has been an ongoing issue. And the problem, too, with Foose is that this is the same hamstring that was bothering him last year. And, look, he played a lot last season. I don't think he missed any games, but that was a nagging injury to where you never felt like he was at his best last season. So this has been an ongoing deal with Foose, and I feel like there's kind of a a long-term approach for taking care of Foose when it comes to that hamstring. I think it does help, though, the Foose situation to where you want him, but I don't necessarily think you need him, as we saw against Iowa State. Like, 
I'm not saying he's not an important piece of the team. He certainly is, but he's not going to start the rest of the year. You're going to start Ali Khalifa and Noah Waterman. Noah Waterman got a shout-out early in the week from Coach Pope, in, uh, and we'll play those that commentary a little later here in Cougar Sports Saturday. What Coach Pope had to say earlier in the week with the media just said Noah Waterman's become one of our best defensive players. That's That's noteworthy, and we've seen that throughout the year. His scoring has been up and down. But his rebounding and his defense have stayed pretty consistent throughout the year. So, but you'd love to have him for the depth, and and this might be the type of matchup where you really need him. Where it's a little, maybe a little slower. Maybe there's some some more low post touches, and we'll, we'll have to see. But it's clear from what you said and what we heard earlier in the week, Mitch, that. It's just going to be touch and go with Foose. You kind of wonder, too, on the personnel front for Texas Tech, the status of Joe Toussaint, one of their top guards, came in from West Virginia. He kind of got banged up late against Houston where he was kind of visibly. Second leading scorer. Yeah, he he was just, we'll see what happens there with him. Uh, you know, Texas Tech's an interesting team, though. Their star, Pop Isaacs, He's navigating this season amidst controversy where he was linked to accused of sexually assaulting a minor during a road trip back in November. He's still playing because the Texas Tech Title IX office uh, has kind of kept him in the clear, saying there's no evidence that suggests that he should be kept out. But uh, So there's kind of a little bit of controversy surrounding this Texas Tech team at the moment. But he's their top guy. He can shoot, and he can shoot from deep. Number two, Pop Isaacs. Uh, but, you know, this Texas Tech squad, they've got true size, and everyone in, in the Big 12, I mean, they got a true seven-footer. They've got – they're long, they're athletic. and But I, I do think BYU matches up okay with Texas Tech. I think that BYU, though, they've got to be able to shoot the three, as they've always done. I mean, that that is the bread and butter for what BYU is going to be. If they can knock down those three balls, they're going to have any chance – or they have a chance to win any game in this Big 12 conference. I will add, uh, you're, you're absolutely right about the threes, but I thought what was so noteworthy about the win against Iowa State and what will have to translate in Lubbock later today is can they put pressure on the rim offensively and get easy points? They had 21 fast-bake points, 13 more than Iowa State. And look, Spencer Johnson, six of his 10 made field goals were twos. He was getting to the rim and finishing layups, and he wasn't the only player that, that was doing that. Dallin Hall did it a time. Uh, Richie Saunders, all four of his field goals were inside the three-point line. There's got to be a balance. Like, I'm all for the three-point game. I love it. Like, this is the type of style that I love. But it only works truly when you're also complementing that with penetration on the rim and in the paint. And whether that results in a kickout or a layup or free throws – BYU did not do that nearly at all against Cincinnati, and they've been doing it lately. BYU Texas Tech tips off today at 4 o'clock right here on KSL. You can listen on the KSL News Radio app as well. We're taking a timeout, news traffic and weather on the other side, and then we're going to get to some BYU football talk, some staff changes. Who are the new coaches on the staff? We'll get to that next here on Cougar Sports Saturday.